are Locked On Astros, your daily Houston Astros podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Jeff Blum, and you're listening to Locked On Astros with Eric and Brett. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they're still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the overall smart scale 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on. But Withings Body Plus, it gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You could get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very slash time. Go to withings.com, withings, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash M-O-B to get 25% off the Body Plus body composition scale. That's withings.com slash MLB to get 25% off the body plus composition scale. We are locked on Houston Astros and we hope that you join us for a daily locked on Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talks Astros. You can find the show at Locked On Astros. Brett, where can they find you at? They can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and at Strohs411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Strohs. We did it with Julia Morales, and Jeff Blum has been uh, courteous enough to come back for another ep- episode of the Locked On Astros podcast. Uh, where can they find your stuff at? Um, I'm on Twitter at Blumber27, also on Instagram at the same handle. And for the time being, uh, I will be on Bleacher Blum's podcast, which is on all major platforms. So uh, I know that one of the big kind of breaking news yesterday uh, from Rod Ma- Rob Manfred's appearance on ESPN was uh, he wasn't ready to really uh, they've kind of got some plans for what uh, the kind of the alternatives in case the season is delayed to certain dates, but they're not ready to kind of announce that. But one thing he did say was that they are done with the Red Sox investigation and uh, there he has not had time to write up the report, but that will be delivered before play resumes. Do you think anything happens to the Red Sox? That's a really good question. I'm actually glad that he confirmed that he was, you know, still going through with the investigation, eventually finished it. I think now what he's got to do is actually write out a report like he did with the Astros. But I am kind of curious about the consequences. And I wonder how fluid those consequences have been over the last couple of month, months, considering what he's been dealing with. Because I would imagine the initial thought was go ahead and punish him as much as he did the Astros and then the coronavirus and the suspension of the season. And maybe he's uh, backed off on what the consequences he felt like should be. Uh, But I I am curious to see what eventually comes out of that, because, you know, what everything that I understand about what the Astros have done 
And then what the Red Sox have done, the only difference is, is that the Red Sox didn't bang on a trash can. So what they did was very similar. And I wonder if the consequences are going to be similar. No, yeah. And you also wonder, too, that the big trade, I know um, I spoke with the with the guy who, um, who heads up the Locked On MLB podcast, Sully. And he's a big Red Sox fan. He's he's from that area originally. He's out in L.A. now, I believe, or out in California. We were talking about the trade with Mookie Betts and David Price, and he said it just didn't make any sense. It's almost like they were trying to trade guys before everything came out. And, you know, that you wonder um, if the underlying knowledge of something's coming down the pike is what drove the Red Sox in making that trade because it just didn't seem – like your average everyday trade and not every trade is going to be, you know, some, you know, like when we see DeAndre Hopkins leaving for David Johnson, oh, dang. I mean, you, you, had, know to, you had to bring that up. Well, well, I mean, because <laughs> it is an oddity, you know, but um, do you think that they will stay away from the players like they did with the Astros and just mainly do fines and things like that? Yes. I think that they almost, you know, I'm, I, they almost have to because they set the precedent with the Astros by saying they're going to get immunity by giving all the information that they possibly could. But I also think that the Red Sox are in a unique position. There's a couple of different fingers to that thought process of trading a guy like Mookie Betts and David Price. Obviously, you get the salary dump with David Price. You get uh, something in return for Mookie Betts, who may be leaving after this year anyways to free agency. And then you look at the New York Yankees with the signing of Garrett Cole they, and health. Well, what was health at the time until Severino went on the uh, shelf with his Tommy John surgery. But the Yankees got considerably better in the American League East. Uh, the Blue Jays are going to be pretty good with their, their young talent. And, of course, the Rays, I think, are just still going to be a very competitive team. So it might have been that perfect pocket where the Red Sox said, OK, we can dump salary. We can, we can trade a player, get young prospects back. And we'll just wear it for this year and try and compete the best we can because we know there are some more consequences coming down the road and maybe trying to avoid, you know, uh, you know, having a good team, but be penalized at the same time. Maybe that went into their consideration to have Chris Sale have the Tommy John. I mean, I'm sure they're they've been trying to postpone it, but uh, this is just something they had to do. And it sucks. But if this season's a shortened season anyway, it's really not going to hurt them that much. But uh, one thing while we're talking about scandals, uh, I don't want to talk a lot about the Astros, but uh, scandal. But do you think that some hitters, uh, you know, people like Altuve, maybe Springer, maybe even Bregman will be trying to press this year uh, once play resumes to prove that they don't need trash can banings or whatever else is going on to be good baseball players? Or do you think that everybody will just kind of just do the same thing they've been doing? No, I think they're, they're, they're only human. And I, you know, that's one thing that I think gets lost a lot of the times when we watch guys who are as good as Springer, Altuve, Correa, Bregman. Oh my gosh. I mean, we almost rattle off the entire lineup right there, but these guys are very good to begin with. And then they have a little bit of that stain or somebody doubts them. And that's one of the things as a player and as a, and as a person, I think the psychology of when you finally, when somebody doubts you, you go into a little bit of either defensive mode or you go in a hyper aggressive mode and either one can hurt you a little bit. But I know I would, I would, I don't know. I, I would assume, or if I was in that situation, I would really be focusing on that first month that I start playing the game after something like this has come out. I want to get out of the gates quick. I want to get out. And so I can say, 
hey, look, it had nothing to do with the sign stealing. It had nothing to do with banging on a trash can. This is all ability. And obviously, if you get off to a great start, you're, you're, you're going to open up, become a little more confident. You're going to talk a little bit more, become a little bit more of who you are. But it also creates a little bit of a buffer if you do have a little bit of a mini slump in May and in or the next month whenever that may be. So I do believe that these guys will press a little bit. We heard as much when Alex Bregman had a a conversation with a reporter early in the season saying, yes, I'm focusing on that first month of the season because I've been a perennial slow starter. But I think the underlying conversation in that is that he knows that he needs to get off to a great start to get some of these people who are going to boo incessantly off his back a little bit. And so he can run back to the dugout with his head a little bit higher, knowing that he's a pretty good ball player. Yeah, you know, the Astros definitely don't don't um, they don't lack in talent. Um, we obviously know what kind of powerful lineup they have. We know all the different, you know, pitching battles that have been going on. But one of the one of the battles I was looking forward to this year was actually Kyle Tucker and Josh Reddick. You know, Josh Reddick, I believe, has the potential and he's shown greatness, um, you know, to be out there. But we also do know if you're looking into the future that Kyle Tucker is a guy that they're probably projecting as their main right fielder. What what do you think that battle is going to look like this year? Do you think they're going to ping pong back and forth? Do you think eventually maybe Tucker makes enough impact that he settles into that starting role? How do you think that plays out? Yeah, a couple of things on that. I, I'm a Josh Reddick fan. I love the way he plays defense. I love his attitude. I love how hard-nosed and angry he goes out there and plays. I do think he, he is an important part of the Astros lineup, uh, You know, whether it be in the 6th, 7th, 8th, or ninth spot. He's done a very good job. Uh, but I do, on the other hand, I like Kyle Tucker. He may not be as good defensively as a Josh Reddick, but I think offensively he has the potential to be that 20-plus home run guy. And we saw flashes of brilliance last year, and that's what I really missed in 2018 when we saw him, is he kind of looked you know, lackadaisical, not into it. And then 2019, we saw a little more urgency in his swing and the way he was playing. And I'm really hoping that 2020, when it uh, hopefully does happen, that we do get to see a Kyle Tucker who goes out there and realizes that he can play at this level and goes out there and does a good job. And if he does do that, it creates an unbelievable dynamic in that outfield because Josh Reddick is on the last year of his contract. He's going to be playing for another couple of years in the big leagues. It's just a matter of he's playing for a contract, so he's going to be playing extremely well. But the one thing that kind of intrigues me a little bit is you could have one of those reverse split type guys where Josh Reddick could protect a young player like Kyle Tucker. And, you know, nothing to take away from Kyle Tucker or his potential greatness that we all hope he has. It's the fact that he could be not facing left-handed pitching because Josh Reddick has been so good in an Astro uniform facing left-handed pitching. And then you have Josh Reddick go out there and protect a guy like Kyle Tucker so he doesn't have to go out and face some of the tough right-handed pitchers that are out there that Josh will put together a great at-bat. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic, but that offers you a little bit of an opportunity to get both those guys in there if you have that kind of mentality, which I'm sure Dusty is thinking about. While we're kind of talking about the outfield situation, um, I, I kind of asked both of you this. Um, yay or nay, is George Springer back in 2021? Oh, man. You know what? Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to give you two. I'm going to give you two personally, just as a, as a fan and as a person who knows George. I, I want to say the biggest yay in the world because it's completely selfish. I, I, I'm a George Springer fan on the field, always have been, and he has lived up to and done more on the field than I anticipated he could. 
And then internally, the conversations I've been able to have with George and understanding how he handles people and his charity with the stuttering and, and things like that. He is so good for a franchise that he is really a franchise player that I hope he comes back. But then I put on my GM hat or my owner hat or even my George Springer hat, and I question the yay a little bit because I know he's going to garner a rather large contract, but he's going to be worth every penny that you pay him. Yeah, you know, I, w- I would like to say, <laughs> not to not to copy you, it's like when you go to a restaurant <laughs> and someone orders the, um, the pasta for Jolie and you're like, oh, I'll take that too, you know. But mm-hmm. um, for me, yes, as a fan, I just, you know, I want him here. And actually being someone, when I was growing up, um, you know, Blummer, I actually from probably – like fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I, I had to be in a speech class because of my stuttering. I mean, I didn't, my stuttering wow. didn't leave me or I didn't overcome it until my junior year in high school. And I actually ended up being a youth pastor for about 17 years. And now I'm a teacher. So I joke with people that I'm able to talk so much because I'm making up for all the words I missed out on. And so that's, <laughs> so that's one of the things that I really admire him for. I know my son and I, um, my dad had won a had won an auction with the Sunshine Kids, and we got to do a meet and greet, and he was just phenomenal in person. And so ever since then, he's been a household favorite next to Altuve. They're kind of one and one A for us. So I think I would like to be optimistic like you, and I would like to think that maybe he would be willing to give somewhat of a hometown discount to the Astros. I think that their success this next year, and I know it's a crazy year, may lean him towards staying at the same time we know they have salary cap room we know they drop under 200 million on the salary caps around 165 167 is that enough room for james click and jim crane to get together and convince springer to stay here i don't know there's a lot of people that think he might head back to boston because he's from connecticut he's from that area so i'm i'm about 80 percent yes and 20 percent no and just to piggyback on what you're talking about, the trade of Mookie Betts, you know, opens up an opportunity in Boston. I agree. You know, he's talked, you know, passionately about playing in Fenway and he's played well there. But at the same time, I think James Click might be that wild card in there uh, because he's come from an organization that doesn't have a lot of money. He's had to be very creative. And then he also knows that Zach Granke and Justin Verlander are going to come off the books in the next two years. And that'll open up you know, what, $70 million right there. So maybe you convince George to maybe take a little bit of a pay cut in the first year or two of his contract and then just backload this thing and say, hey, come on down. The, the, you know, the ballpark's going to be yours after these guys take off and we get the, our use out of them. Or, you know, we could pay them through 2035 um, like they're doing now with, uh, with, yeah. they do with uh, you know, Christian Yelich. I thought that was a, I thought that was a genius move because I don't think anyone's done that since Bobby Bonilla did it with the Mets. Why wouldn't you this day and age? You know, if you're trying to create a fan base and create loyalty within the game, go ahead and pay these guys for about 45 years and convince them to stay. I'd be down for that. Yeah, I think it all depends on the uh, competitive tax balance, too, because that goes against um, like even if it's it's based on their annual average value. So it wouldn't help the salary cap, so to speak. But uh, I agree with you saying. um, But, yeah, George Brinker is one of those guys that um, Brandon on Talking Strohs. We're just big fans of him. We like his energy. And um, to show how um, long we've been Astros fans, uh, while we're down during out the whole process and like we're losing another hundred games. Yay. 
all we had in the kind of the uh, future was George Springer, and we knew how good this guy could be. And uh, so, yeah, this guy is very important, and hopefully they bring him back. But somebody who's kind of risen uh, this past year is Jordan Alvarez. And uh, do you think the knees will be an issue all year? Or do you- um, that's that's the ultimate question. I haven't had a chance to really, you know, I was only in spring training for a good five days, and I didn't have a chance to get down there really investigate. And he was swinging the bat at the time pretty well, so the knees kind of crept up a couple of weeks after we had been down there. And it's it's a little bit of a concern because he is a a younger player, I think, and the knees shouldn't be a problem. I'm not sure if it's carrying around uh, that, that load of a body that he has. He looks like a relatively athletic guy when he's out there running with sneaky speed, but obviously the foundation of, of most swings are your uh, legs. And he has to get on those legs to be able to drive the ball into the, you know, the triple decks that he, we've seen him do in the past, but it is a little bit of a concern. And I think, you know, early on in his career, it's kind of removing the defensive aspect of Jordan Alvarez and kind of puts you in a situation where, he is going to be a permanent DH, but that really handicaps, you know, what a manager can do as far as rotating days off or calling DH days, days off for a guy like Altuve or Correa who are playing some high stress positions up the middle. And that's the only concern for me, but I'm hoping that now in this downtime and maybe, you know, it's also a part for a young player to try and understand their body and understand how to play a 162 game season plus the playoffs like the Astros are going to do you know, how do I condition my body? How do I strengthen my body? And then it's on the strength and conditioning coordinators within the organization during the season to help maintain that strength so he doesn't back down. But he's young enough to understand how to adapt. And I hope that's exactly what happens over the next couple of years or months is that he's able to adapt and find a program that works for him to keep him on the field because he is an absolutely titanic type weapon. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed last year that I don't think a lot of people think about is his his trajectory through the minor league system, especially last year, where he just jumped. I mean, he was on fire, absolutely smoking the ball um, down there at Round Rock, and then he comes up to the major leagues and he's smoking the ball. And so you got to think too that if he did have some knee pain, that some of that was probably um, ignored or subsided from um, having that adrenaline rush, hitting those home runs, to where if there was something nagging him, he probably was like, man, I've got to really make an impact. And so maybe that played into being young, not really knowing his body. And I'm thinking that this that this layoff will actually help him because then he'll be able to get into some sort of strength and conditioning program, get a daily routine of what he needs to do when he needs to take off, and then plan that out once these games get started. Yeah, you know what, this day and age with uh, the way technology is and the ability to keep in contact, and I know you guys already know this because you're teaching right now via satellite, it seems like on a daily basis, uh, you know, the strength and conditioning coordinators can get to these guys. They can have programs, whether they're working out in the same room or whether they're working out, uh, you know, from their home, there are ways to get around this. I think the technology is too good. The information is too good. And I know the Houston Astros as an organization have put a lot of effort into data analytics to try and find a way to get the most out of these guys. But I guarantee you, they've got a program for Jordan Alvarez and many other players on there. They're doing their due diligence and staying aggressive and keeping these guys in shape because you know, as well as I do, if and when this season starts, these guys are going to have to be ready, but there's different protocol for different guys. And right now the protocol is to make sure that Jordan's knees are right. And then that swing will be just fine. Let's assume that the Astros are going to win the AL West in 2020. 
which team do you think will be the biggest competition? I think it's the Angels right now, but it always seems like the Oakland A's, we kind of take them for granted early on, and then they're there towards the end. And playing in Oakland has been a little rough over the years for the Houston Astros. It's been great baseball between those two teams uh, because of the young talent out there in Oakland. But if I had to guess right now, and I wanted to mix it up a little bit, I would definitely say the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because they've got kind of a, man, I don't want to say scrap heap of a rotation, but they've kind of done some patchwork to put some guys in there that if healthy and pitching consistently can maybe maybe hold down some of the damage and allow that uh, Angels offense to get going. I think it's going to be interesting with Rendon in that lineup. That's obviously another, I mean, another MVP type weapon for them in their offense with Mike Trout. Uh, Justin Upton is a guy, if healthy, will uh, put up some big numbers, I believe, too. And, of course, their defense is going to be relatively solid behind them with the addition of Anthony Rendon at third base. That will allow Fletcher to play some second base, get Simmons at short. Uh, you know, and then it just turns into what do you do with Shohei Otani as far as DH and Albert Pools? Do you let him play first? I think those are some fun options over there for Joe Madden, who's moving into that managerial spot. But they're going to provide a little bit of a boost and a little bit of an interesting situation competitively against the Astros, I think, in the West. Yeah, I think I think the AOS is going to be pretty competitive. I think the Rangers are even going to, um, at some point, put themselves in the conversation. I don't know how much they go in the mix, but with the pitching additions they made with Mike Miner coming off a great year, Lynn coming mm-hmm. off a great year, you know, Kluber, I think Kluber can probably get back to form a little bit being out of Cleveland. I, I think maybe, maybe he kind of overstayed his welcome. I still think he's a great pitcher and, you know, they got the excitement of the new ballpark. And so the Rangers, I think the only team that everyone's like, oh, okay, they're just kind of hanging around are the Mariners, but they've, um, we, I've talked to the locked on Mariners guy and they basically, have said, you know what, we are in rebuild mode. And so other than that, I think we've got four solid teams that really will provide for some exciting baseball in the AL West where you look at the AL East and that's usually like you're super competitive, you know, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays. But here we've got, we've got, we've got us, we've got Oakland, we've got the Angels, we've got the Rangers. And, you know, I compare the A's and the Rangers to each other. I feel like the A's and the Rangers are the same ball club. They're just on different coast. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the only difference. Well, uh, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I was just saying the, the A's and the Rays. I thought I missed. I thought I misquoted myself. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. I'm gonna have to alter my answer a little bit because I agree with the A's and Rays. But it, you know, the the one thing about the Rangers in the American League West, even though their pitching staff has been good, their bullpen has been horrendous. But uh, their offense, as good as they can be, there's too much swing and miss for the Texas Rangers for me, and that creates a big time issue against organizations that go out there and pitch well, like the, uh, you know, the Oakland A's are going to pitch well, having a, you know, Puck and uh, uh, Lazaro, I think is the left-hander's name. Those two lefties, the young guys they have, uh, the additions that the Angels have made, and obviously the Astros can go out there and miss barrels uh, pretty consistently, and that's where it gets kind of rough for them. But I agree with you in the sense that the Rays might be a little bit further ahead of the A's as far as taking the analytics to a different level and really finding guys that fit into their program and maximizing the talent that they do. But definitely the Rays have programmed themselves after those early money ball years that the A's started. But yeah, very good comparison. 
Something that you kind of uh, brought up earlier with, with the A's is uh, this could be a shortened season, and uh, they tend to pick it up at the end. So maybe of all teams, this will affect the A's a lot more. So um, before we uh, go and cut off on this podcast, do you have any uh, – like a statement, Julia did this the other day about what fans should do during this time, like convince them to stay home or something like that. Um, I'm a big fan. You know what? I try, you know, the lack of information is what scares me most during this situation. And I think that in these moments, we need to think about others around us. And that's kind of something that I've tried to implore with my kids because I've got four teenage daughters in high school uh, social, the social aspect has been very important to them. And it's hard for them to understand that it's not about being around your friends. It's about what could happen if you are around your friends and how this could snowball out of control and really create a situation for some of those older people in our lives, if not extended family, you know, extended family members or people in our community. And I think the best thing we can do right now is do what we can from home, social distancing. I've been outside. I've stayed my distance from away from plenty of people, but still I see a smile and a wave. I encourage that. Get outside. Enjoy this Houston weather, which has been absolutely amazing. But just practice safe, safe, uh, you know, disinfectant type uh, practices, man. Just be smart about it and make sure that you're taking care of those around you. I can't thank health providers enough. I can't thank first responders enough. I can't thank our military enough. I can't thank what's crazy is some of the things that we take for granted as far as, you know, essential uh, workers out there, the people at grocery stores, the people who provide all those services absolutely adore what they're doing right now and the stress that they're under. So uh, I could go on for another hour on your show talking about how great the community right. has been in the city of Houston, but I'll just finish it right there. Stay safe, stay home, and pray for a pray for season to start here pretty soon because I'm chomping at the bit like everybody else. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Go ahead, Brett. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just want to say, um, you know, thanks for thanks for joining us. We do um, appreciate your candor and we're, you know, we're all big fans. And so we can't wait to hear you say that was a great A.D. <laughs> I can't wait to throw that out there. I've got I've got a couple I've been sitting on for a while, obviously, with all this downtime. I've got uh, some blumisms I'm waiting to break out. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Best of luck to you. And uh, let's play some baseball soon. Yeah, and uh, thanks for continuing to come on my shows, even though that one time on Talking Strohs, I almost cussed you out if I didn't uh, use the exact words <laughs> for that World Series. But uh, yeah, stay safe, everybody. Just uh, listen to the Locked on Astros podcast. And uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on, as always. And uh, where can they find listen to your podcast again? Um, it's on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, most uh, major platforms that are out there. Just look for Bleacher Blums, and uh, you can go to bleacherblums.com. If you can't find it, you'll find it on there. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in car, tell your smart device played podcast, Locked on Astros.